0: Welcome to Out of Bounds. So now Summer League has started. We're getting to see our the rookies um, in their first action of all summer. The Salt Lake City Summer League is going on right now. We have Vegas coming up next. Um, even though like the initial free agency period is over, we still have basketball action. There's a lot going on. Um, for today's episode, we have a special guest. It's Omkar. He's our resident Heat fan. Um... So just to go over the format of the episode, we'll be talking a little bit about Summer League, um, and then we'll jump into the Heat's season and kind of do an analysis on that, and then after that, we'll probably uh, just go into general free agency stuff. But what's up, Omkar? How are you doing?
1: Doing great, bro. Happy to be back, making my return to Out of Bounds after two years, I guess. It was good.
0: Yeah, it's the return. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on at Summer League, um, so... I mean, let's just talk about the big names here, right? So what do you think of uh, Nikola Jovic's
1: uh, performance for the Heat? So I got to say, um, most Heat fans are pretty high on him, and I am too, but it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, I don't know if you guys caught his first two games, and you probably didn't if you're not a Heat fan, but um, he was not that good. He kind of looks slow on the court a little bit, um, kind of adjusting to the pace. The third game, it was a lot of garbage time, three pointers, and and late in. Um, I know I sound like a hater right now, but I think my expectations are pretty high for him. Um, and obviously, this is really early on, so looking good. Um, hoping we can get more consistent, and then obviously just improve on defense. That's the biggest thing for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, summer league is always a bit hard to evaluate. Um, he's probably just like a lot smarter. I feel like in the, his play style compared to the other players, which is why like he could probably put up a good stat line. Um, but it'll be interesting to see like how he adjusts to the NBA game and stuff. But so was that the last game that he had like twenty five points? I saw one game right, he had like twenty five.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that was against the Warriors. Uh, I swear he had like four points when I stopped watching, and I looked back up in the fourth quarter and he had twenty five. So something happened in between that time. Hopefully it clicked for him. Um, but yeah, we're really gonna have to wait to see until next game.
0: Yeah, and especially with, like, a team like the Heat, um, like, they're, like, just having, like, one more piece could actually be, like, all the difference. So, I don't know. It seems kind of, like, weird, like, judging a rookie off of, like, three summer league games. But, like, for for a team like the Heat, like, that could really be, like, make it or break it. It could be the difference between getting to the finals versus losing in the Eastern Conference finals, right? So, that's pretty interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, other than that, like, the... We've seen like the debut of like Chet Holmgren. Um, I mean, he kind of just stole the spotlight in summer league that one day. Uh it was kind of interesting. Like as a Thunder fan, I feel like we like the Thunder literally have barely been in the media for the past like two years. And if they have, like it's always people just like sh- like shitting on them for like tanking or whatever. And they're like, Oh, like why are they doing this and like wasting Shay's career? And then Chet has, like, one monster game, and then everyone's like, oh, my God, like, what are the Thunder yeah. doing? And just so much gas. But what what were your thoughts on his game?
1: First of all, don't get me started on the media. I'm a Heat fan, so I'm well used to, to them just talking trash, not giving us credit. Uh, but Chet is looking amazing. Um, that first game was really, I guess, expected in a little way. But, you know, seeing him at Gonzaga, he had to play in kind of a different system. So you weren't able to see him, you know, bringing the ball down the court, pull up threes as much um but to see him kind of apply what what is in his bag and what people know he has is really encouraging um yeah that dude's gonna be a monster like the the nickname that he got was black porzingis i'm a big fan of that
0: (laughs) i've actually not heard that one uh (laughs) no (laughs) i forget like they they were kept trying to figure out a name for uh a nickname for giddy and chet just because like they were like acting like hella friendly to each other um, the one the best one I saw was Chet Mate. That one is pretty fire.
1: That's solid. Yeah, it has got to get on a shirt.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, yeah, it's just so fun. And I, I don't know, we haven't seen the other rookies. Um, but we'll see them like upcoming in this weekend. Um, especially like Paolo and Jabari and uh, Jaden Ivy. Um, so it'll it'll be really interesting to see. Um, and probably like on next week episode. Uh, like we we'll, we can talk like a little bit of summer league if we see anything more interesting from these other guys um but yeah i mean let's get into the main part of the podcast now um which is talking about the heat um so before i ask like more specific questions just i just kind of wanted to get like your story on like like what was it what was it like going through this season as a heat fan um yeah go ahead
1: yeah um so it was a magical season i would say this was pretty comparable to our 2020 run um kind of know kind of more expected more pressure this year but it seemed like you know every time we had some players go out there was always someone that stepped up and you know whether it was supposed coaching or you know omer yurt seven off the bench or you know gabe vincent making a huge play there was always someone that kind of stepped in um and i know we get memed a lot and people joke about heat culture but you know, this year was really an embodiment of it so you know that that shot's always going to be tough i'll live with it 10 times out of 10 uh you guys know what i'm talking about but um, at the end of the day, it was a great season, and you know I couldn't be prouder. Um, obviously, it was an opportunity that you know, we, you know, depending on how you cut it, we missed. Um, but trust in trust in Spo and trust in Pat. I think we'll get back there sometime soon.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say like for me, the one like Heat game that kind of embodies the season is like well, we like actually went to that one Heat game. Uh, like <laughs> it was like the Heat at uh, Brooklyn Nets, right? Great and time. like. It it was like uh, so basically what happened is it was Katie's first game back from injury so the Nets were like hella hyped um, and the Heat, I forget if they're on the second night of a back to back or the first night of a back to back but they they were like resting uh, like Jimmy Butler wasn't playing there was no Kyle Lowry um, and I I guess I think Bam was still playing yeah from what I remember <clears throat> but like that that game in itself was just like the biggest like embodiment of Heat culture right because I think the Nets like got up big. Um and then you see like the the Heat just like slowly rally around their defense like Bam was scoring um I think Tyler Hero was putting in some points like Max Struess yep. like all these guys I I I don't really remember the details of that game but it was just like crazy to see like here on one side like you have the Nets with like Kevin Durant and like KD is cooking like the Nets are up but the Heat like they're just like very persistent they keep fighting and eventually they, they came back and won that game. And and everyone in that arena was shocked because everyone thought the Nets like had it in the bag. like They were up, I think, uh, for most of the game. I think it was like close to tied in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, what do you remember from that game?
1: It was a great time. Um, it was a blur, but I do remember what you're talking about. We did go down. I think we were down maybe like 10 or 15 points um, at around halftime. And then Tyler and Bam started cooking um obviously the other guys too and and like you mentioned that was really just you know contrasting with the nets this year and you know no shade to them but seeing how dysfunctional they were and um, team chemistry wasn't really all the way there versus you know the heat who on paper weren't supposed to beat them or uh, you know before the season they weren't really supposed to achieve as as much as they were doing um but you know to see the, the conflicting styles and really the heat players buy into the culture um that was really cool to see just live um and actually watching a comeback happen, that was amazing. Never forget that day.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think, like, especially what you were saying about the media before, it's actually crazy, like, how, like, I guess, like, the Heat are probably, like, one of the more slept-on teams, for sure. Considering, like, last like last season, like, I remember just going through the standings, and I'm like, well, how the hell are the Heat won? Because they were, like, constantly, like, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry were, like, constantly in and out of the lineup. Um, and that's, like, arguably, like, what, their first and, like, third best player, I guess. And, yep. Um. It, it was just very impressive, like, their ability to just to, like, keep on winning games and, like, churn through the regular season for that one seed. Um. And yep. then I remember, like, in the playoffs, like, they had, like, the more, like, favorable path. Uh, I forget. Who, who did you guys play in the first round?
1: Uh, first round, we played the Hawks. Yep.
0: Oh, yeah. It was the Hawks. And then I think you guys had Philly. And then right. it went to boston right so like I-, I remember like a lot of people were complaining like oh it's like <laughs> the heat have like the cupcake pad yeah, but then right. i was like dude like they they earned the one earned seed it,
1: man. Come on, yeah <laughs> yeah." i mean to be fair like anyone else in our position and-, and we can go back to the bubble argument with this but anybody who was in our position if they were the one seed and they had those teams they would they would say the same thing like we earned it so end of the day it's just kind of trash talking and competitors using what they can um, but yeah the media is always going to just do that
0: yeah for sure. Um so, what was your like highest what were your highest point of the season, and also like what was the lowest point of the season for you?
1: That's a tough one. Um, the highest point, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was one game. Um, it was probably just a whole playoff run that Jimmy had, man. that was, that was something else. And I guess you know, there's part of it was bias, but when he started just dropping back to back forty games, and, and uh, just single-handedly carrying our team, that was really encouraging to see. Um, when you say the lowest point, it's kind of like the other side of that. Um, you know, that was a really tough kind of emotional uh, playoff path that we went through. Although you know, people could say it was a cupcake run, but um, Eastern Conference Finals. There was a lot of you know back and forth. Um, sometimes it looked like Boston had the edge. Sometimes it looked like we were going to win. Um, but that whole roller coaster was crazy and. Um, I guess even within that, you can say there were high and low points. Um, even right before that shot that Jimmy took, we can call that a high point. We kind of came back and you know had a lot of momentum going. And then right after that shot, uh, first feeling. Um, I guess zooming out, not just looking at the playoffs. Um, I don't know how many non heat fans would recall, but there was a four-game stretch towards the end of the regular season where we dropped four games. Um, and then there was the infamous... Uh, Jimmy and Spo were were about to fight each other (laughs) on the court Um, I think people would remember that moment Um, that was definitely a low point I think other Heat fans would agree that at the time it was uncertain to see what would happen next Um, the fight wasn't really a concerning part it was really that we dropped those four games at the end of the regular season Um, so looking back on it that was something that did make the team stronger but at the time we could call that a low point for sure
0: yeah, like looking back at it, like that one sequence was actually hilarious. Like I remember just laughing at it, like because I, I didn't under like I think if you weren't if you weren't following the team, like you didn't know that like they were on a losing streak. And even even so, like they were like still like at the top of like the uh, the standings, right? So then from like the outsider's yeah. perspective, it's like, dude, what the hell are they arguing about? Like they're like yeah. the one seed, is still fighting.
1: Yes, yeah, people who just want to win, and, and you know I think a lot of people try to make you know that fight seem like too much. But if you look at Spo, he's had the same situation with LeBron. He's done the same thing with D Wade in the past. It's nothing new. Um, I think it just speaks to how people communicate in that environment uh, when they're, you know, not winning.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if you look back at like the super teams of the past, like there's like, like if you there's like a huge list of coaches that like just weren't able to manage like the personalities of like two or three stars. And there's, like, a very short list of coaches that actually have been able to. And Spolstra is definitely one of them. So, like, I don't know. I-, I would never question that man in anything, like, related to coaching. Like, he- he'll he figure it out.
1: Yeah, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and also, like, going back to what you were talking about with, uh, like, Jimmy Butler, like, uh, I kind of, like, forgot, like, honestly, like, how great, like, his, uh, his playoff run was. And I remember, like, it- in the regular season, like, I forget what it was. I, I think it was in our playoff preview podcast when we were like talking about the heat. Um and I was just like, dude, like can he like really score though? Cause I forget, like he had like some abysmal like three point percentage like during the regular season. Like I don't know if it was from injuries or like maybe he's just not trying, but he, he was like shooting like really bad from three point. Like I think it was like twenty-ish percent from three. Um Something like that. I, it was really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was so bad. And I'm just like, dude, like how how is he like gonna care because like we i knew his. i knew he had to put in like a lot of points offensively in order for like the heat to succeed right and like mm-hmm. to his credit like he shut me up pretty fast like after like the first series i was like okay like he's he's arrived like this is actually like yeah. a top 10 player in the league and maybe like you could argue that he's not like in the regular season or whatever like there's a lot of differentiators for people like like they i don't know if people like to do that but like in once the playoffs start that man is definitely a top 10 player and he's like someone like anyone would want on their team uh for sure but yeah like what, what a great uh playoff run by jimmy butler I, I i he definitely would shut up like a lot of doubters i would say yeah
1: that dude flipped the switch completely i mean i can't even sit here and lie to you guys and say that i expected him to come out and average what like 27 7 and 5 or something in the playoffs that was completely unexpected but a dude just has a will to win and you know, I don't normally like relying on intangibles to describe why a player is so good. But for Jimmy, when you're able to just become a better shooter in the playoffs because you have to, uh, that's just clear will to win for him. And I'm glad he's on our team and not the other team. That's all I could say.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, his strength is probably, like, the most, like, underrated part. Because I think, like, a lot of times, like, players, like, his jump shot, like, okay, once his jump shot is falling, like, he becomes, like, close to unguardable. Like, the main thing I see is, like, he's just able to get, like, like, whenever he has the ball and he's driving towards the hoop, like, he's able to hang and, like, absorb contact and, like, finish or draw a foul, like, so well. Probably, like, more so than, like like, a lot of the players in the league. And I remember, like even in that Celtics series, like the steals he were get he was getting was like crazy. Like it was like steal, like instant, like open fast break, like instant dunk. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't just like picking pockets. Like he was getting like clean steals, like just intercepting passes. So that that was oh, yeah. definitely crazy to see his defensive instincts uh, coming alive.
1: Yeah, and yeah, no, his strength is one of his biggest assets. I would say. I mean, most people nowadays or the past few years, I would say kind of relied on the outside shot and and made it seem like to be a superstar you need to have a reliable three-pointer um you know that works for some people but other people do it unconventionally and, and jimmy is an unconventional superstar i would say so again really happy to have an our team um but he's when he's on fire he's on fire and that's something that you know, a lot of teams don't have a player like that and i'm really happy he's on our team
0: yeah for sure um I mean so like just a transition from that right like we know like Jimmy Butler did great but after that like a lot of the a lot of the conversation kind of revolved around like the other players right like where is his help coming from like we had like Bam like especially just thinking about the Eastern Conference Finals like Bam was aggressive in a couple of games and he got his but it seemed like when Robert Williams was on him like he couldn't really do much um Kyle Lowry was like very like I guess he was on, I think the last like couple of games, but before that, like he was shooting abysmal too. Like he couldn't even score like more than like five to seven points per game. Um, so just like, what are your thoughts on like Bam and Kyle Lowry going forward as like the foundation of this team?
1: Yeah. Um, so Bam, to me, uh, way higher on than I think most people would be after those playoffs. I know what he's capable of, and it's really just a mindset thing of staying aggressive and learning how to attack people that he has an advantage against. But now that you mentioned Bam, I'm going to go back to that lowest point of the season. During those Game 5 and Game 7s where we were playing the Celtics, and you can just see Heat fans begging Bam to be aggressive and, and just take a layup or drive the ball, and you wouldn't, that could be the most frustrating thing is he's just so clearly dominant on the floor, um, but he shrinks. And and like the opposite of Jimmy, how Jimmy becomes a better player in the playoffs, Bam has a tendency to shrink. Um, The Positive side of that is I truly believe he's gonna be here for his entire career. And I know he has a lot of potential. Um, With our development staff, he's definitely gonna reach it. Um, So that's the exciting thing. Can't be happy about the playoff performance though, on offense at least. but yeah, that that's something that can definitely be improved. Um, there's always next year and the year after. But Lowry, there's not so much next year and the year after. He's a little bit more timed. Um, but what people don't recognize, because he kind of shit the bed in the playoffs, is he was really coming on towards the end of the season. Like even those games that we lost, I mentioned the losing streak we had. He was pretty solid. He averaged probably like 20 points in that span, like six assists, um, taking a lot of charges. Uh, so. I still think he can be a positive asset for us. Um, and Given his relationship with Jimmy, I don't know how the Heat will get rid of him unless it's for a whale like KD or Donovan Mitchell, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, uh, definitely can't be happy with the playoff performance, and someone's going to have to get more consistent. Um, I know Pat talked about Kyle getting in better shape in one of his uh, press conferences after the season. So, you know, hopefully he can make some adjustments and just become a better, more uh, consistent there on the court
0: yeah I mean with uh like what you were saying with Bam like I just feel that he's such a team oriented player and sometimes when you have those guys I feel a lot of times they're just thinking okay if I don't instantly have an advantage then let me just move the ball and get like the offense moving and like try to set a screen or something um but it's kind of I guess he has to get a little bit better at like reading when like the offense is in a lull, like maybe just like decide to become aggressive and like take it in. Cause whenever he decides to do it, like it goes well. Usually I think the problem is, is he doesn't even decide to do that at times. Um, And it's kind of hard, like being like, like, you know, balancing, like being a good team player and like being selfish. But like, if the offense is in a lull, then like, why not try to be selfish? Right.
1: Yep. That's for sure. And I think it's, it's really a product of our system that we had for, I guess a year and three quarters until we, Uh, sub Duncan out of the lineup but a lot of screen handoffs with Duncan and Bam so for Bam like you mentioned he was just being a team player that's his offense he's there to set screens get rebounds and kind of cut for lobs so I I do think Spoh's gonna have to make some adjustments and we might have to start going to Bam as a first option um, as we start to look past Duncan being you know a starter for us or even on the team but we'll see what happens with that
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to him. Um, <laughs> but before that, I just wanted to touch on
1: Kyle Lowry. Um, yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think, like, he did... I think, like, he does a good job of, like, setting up your offense for sure. The issue is is I think he has to score at least, like, over, like, 10... He should be scoring, like, 10 to 15 points per game. I think at this point, like, demanding, like, 20 or, like, above 15 is, like, a bit... Like, it's just unrealistic, I think. But, like, if he just hits, like, 10 to 15 points... Then I think like that could have like just him getting to that like threshold could literally be like the difference between uh like winning the Eastern Conference Finals, right? And I guess like maybe a way to circumvent that could be like if Max Struess is hitting his threes, um, or someone else is hitting their threes. It just felt like at the end of that Boston series, like there were so many like big threes that like the heat needed to hit. And it always like came down in the hands of Kyle Lowry or like Max struce <laughs> and like, like just like momentum, like swinging three point like attempts. And they just like, were always like unable to hit them. I feel mm-hmm.
1: like. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's a big part of its consistency and you know, I'll, I'll trash Kyle for that playoff performance, but I'll also be fair. I know he was injured and coming off a hamstring injury and trying to perform and be effective in the playoffs is a hard thing to do. Um, but come on, man. Like he missed so many shots on the stretch and any one of those could have put us in a better spot. Uh, it is what it is, but it is something I do think that he can correct going into the off offseason. Um, we'll really just be able to tell oh, when we're in next season, you know, whether he was actually putting in the work. Um, I really just think by how consistent he is, uh, we've seen what he's capable of doing. And even if he's three quarters of that, uh, it's still just as impactful as long as he's consistent with it. Um, so I'm optimistic there. I don't think that Pat would trade him again unless it's for KD or Donovan Mitchell, uh, just because Kyle and Jimmy are such good friends. But um, I do think he'll be a you know a positive player for our team next year.
0: Yeah, I mean I agree. I think like maybe if he's like I guess the injury like, def- like his injuries definitely played a role in that. Um, but let's see if he can like have like a healthy season and like his li- his minutes definitely have to be limited in the regular season. Just to, like, kind of preserve his health. um. But, yeah, like, moving on to, like, the other players. So, yeah, you were mentioning, uh, like, Duncan Robinson, right? So, what do you think is, like, the whole vibe with him? Because he kind of, I don't know, it was kind of, like, sad. Like, I think it was, like, the first game of the playoffs that he went, like, ham and hit, like, seven threes or something. So you guys, like, beat the Hawks. And it was just, like, okay, like, he's he's arrived. And, like, I feel like if he could deliver, like, one of those games, like, every, like, series, then that's great. Like, if he has one game where he hits eight threes, like, the Heat are probably winning that game. And he just, like, blesses you with the game. But I think, like, the issue was towards the end, like, his defense kind of played him off the floor. And then after that, like, he barely got any playing time. And then even when he was inserted again, like, just for, like, maybe, like, a spark on offense, like, his confidence was just gone. And his he just didn't look the same.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It's a hard thing to come back from, like, imagine you're starting and you're getting every shot. You have the green light. You go off to the bench, you get like six minutes. If you miss a shot, you come out. Um, I can imagine that's a really tough thing to adjust to, especially in the playoffs. Um, you know, Duncan's kind of been doing this all year, man, and he was a guy that I really rooted for. His 2020 year was something I'd never seen before. He shot like 45% on the arc, up from the arc on high volume. Um, so that I'll never forget. But this past year, we expected, you know, again, I think the theme with the other guys, who is just really not Jimmy, um, is consistency. And they need to be more consistent to be an impact player for the team, Um, whether that's offensively, defensively. um, For Duncan, I would say it is both. Um, But more so, the reason why we can't, or uh, why Spo and the staff can't really play him is because of that defense, man. Uh, He's a foul magnet, and, you know, Honestly, he's gotten better at it, but the reputation he's built over the first two years, um, wrestler is never going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So for us, um, I think the smart move would be to trade him. Um, As sad that is to say, it is a big contract, but also is a movable contract. You know, there's not a lot of guaranteed money. Um, But I think if we could swing him and a pick for you know someone that could really fill that four position for us, that would be the best thing we could do. Optimistically, I want someone like Harrison Barnes um, or John Collins, but you know, I think what's actually going to happen is we'll wait until the trade deadline, probably try to boost his value a little bit, and then see what's you know what becomes available at that point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like, it is kind of like sad <laughs> just because like he was like I think everyone was rooting for him, like just from his story and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I his defense like definitely has to improve, and it's just like. I don't know, the issue is in the playoffs, like, your defense is as good as, like, your worst defender is. And, I, I, like, the Heat definitely, uh, like, a lot of times just opted to just, like, play – instead of, like, having, like, offense on the floor, they're just like, okay, let's just put our five best defenders and then hope, like, in the end, like, Jimmy can do some clutch things and want And it almost got them to the finals. So I, I don't think you can, like, doubt them. <laughs> like, they were, like, w- one shot away from going to the finals. Um, but, yeah, I mean – so I think another, like, uh, like loss is like PJ Tucker going to Philly. Like he, I mean, he wasn't hitting that many shots, but like his defense, like definitely helped a ton. Um, so how do you think, uh, like the heat will try to fill that void of uh PJ Tucker leaving for Philly?
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I don't think there's any filling the void of PJ Tucker. You know, what he creates for a team is, you know, like really more than what he is on paper. Um. So there is no like replacing those intangibles. Um, and for this one, it's really just I'm praying to Pat right now that he's going to figure something out. Um, there aren't too many great options on the free agency market that you know I think fit well for our team. Um, and what we're looking for is probably a stretch forward that can you know, defend well um, and hold up. I don't think Jovic is ready at all to you know play that kind of defense or hit those shots consistently. But idealistically, someone like Harrison Barnes would be a great thing to fill there. Um, yeah, PJ is going to be a big miss, but you know, given his age, he's I think 38 or 37 right now, and they're paying him three years. Uh, you know, probably 33 million, I think total. Um, that's not really something that he can afford, especially with you know, Carnival stock being so down. Um, but yeah, it's a tough loss. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to help Philly a lot, but um, I really need pat to make a play here getting a little bit nervous
0: no i think that's an insane contract man especially like he's like good but like 10 million per year just sounds like a lot like i feel like it's more so like billy just overpaying and like trying to be like okay like we really just need like some guy like i know his he has a great value but i still like 10 million a year especially for three years sounds like a lot and i don't know if like the fit is weird like he's gonna be like a bit difficult i mean i think teams could still trade for him but it's just like 10 million for like that guy like isn't like what i would set his value at for sure
1: yeah yeah that's a tough one i think i think the length on the contract is really what he wanted you know three years and that was probably the point of contention i think the money was more so just a product of, like we couldn't offer him the full mid-level um but those the three years guaranteed i think it is um it's a little bit nuts. We don't really want to be paying two 40-plus-year-olds an unnecessary contract. Um, so I think that might have been factoring into the thought uh, process there.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so looking ahead to, like, next season, right, so where do you think, uh, like, the Heat stand in comparison to, like, the other Eastern Conference teams, right? So, like, we'll have, uh, like, the Bucks at full health, like the Celtics newly improved with Brogdon and Gallinari will be back. um like know what I guess like those are the main uh, like competitors for the East. Um so how do you think the Heat compare against those and the other teams in the East?
1: Yeah, uh, not feeling good. The this offseason is giving me shades of twenty twenty off season, right after we lost in the bubble. Um, we were kinda holding out the whole time for Giannis and then he ended up signing that deal, I think, to go back to Milwaukee. Um, so we, we struck out, we ended up signing like Trevor Reza and you know, some other fill in guys didn't work out um unsuccessful season so to me uh that's kind of how i'm feeling right now sadly i don't see a really successful season and for miami that might be you know being the fourth or the fifth seed um you know hopefully by that time and, and really what i'm bang uh you know hang on is the, the trade deadline if we're able to pick up some nice pieces then uh, based on what's available who knows could be donovan could be dame even uh, but If we're able to get someone then, that could really change the outlook. Um, Right now, I don't think things are looking too good.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of those would be, like, an insane, like... Like, getting one of those players would be, like, an insane swing and, like, definitely, like, insanely, like, good fortune. But it's kind of hard for me to understand, like, how... Like, without... Like, I don't see how a peripheral piece can, like, add like, I don't see how adding, like, a peripheral piece could, like, make you guys better than, like, the Celtics or the Bucks. I would probably say, like, it more so has to be, like, internal improvement, right? Like, Max Struess just has to be able to hit a shot, and, like, Kyle Lowry just has to be able to hit a shot, and, like, all these people just have to play, like, more consistently. I think it's, like, more, like, internal development and, like, consistency than it is, like, adding, like, some peripheral piece to help you, like, go over the edge.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I I think that's definitely going to happen kind of what's been going on the past few years with our undrafted guys. You know, we sign best of them to like a two year, one and a half million dollar deal. Um, and then those guys end up starting in the Eastern conference finals. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think that's part of it. Like I, I make that joke, but a lot of these guys don't have that experience yet. Um, so really just getting that under their belt and being able to, you know, say I did that last year and I can you know, play with these other NBA guys. Um, make an impact is the biggest thing. Yeah, you make a great point. I think those guys improving and just being way more consistent on both ends. it um, take us to, you know, a, a better level, but to move the needle against, you know, you know the, the, the bucks, I don't know exactly who they signed, but I know the Celtics got Brogdon and Gallinari, which are you know, really good pieces for their team. Uh, the Hawks got DeJounte Murray, which is, you know, they're in our division. Um, so that make things, makes things a little bit tougher. Um, you know, so I, I'm sure you know internally we're gonna develop and improve those guys, But I'm hoping that you know something happens next year, fingers crossed.
0: yeah. I mean, it, it is like very competitive uh, in the East for sure. Like I think the West will probably be like a little bit better next season, like more than the heat or than the East. But like, I don't know, the, these Eastern conference teams like aren't uh, really going away. But um, so what are your predictions for like next season in terms of like what seed and like w- uh, where are you guys uh, like the results of the playoffs?
1: Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. So I would, I would say, yeah, I think Bucks Celtics. Philly. Um, really, I think Philly did get better. Um, I see us being probably the fourth or the fifth seed. Like I said, um, you know, hopefully, you know, other teams kind of jump us in, in those top five or, four best teams in the east um i don't see us missing the playoffs or anything but um it's really going to be up to these these other guys improving um if our bench players are able to you know do something consistently without tyler hero saving the day uh depending on what role he is in uh, being a starter or if it's Oladipo depot off the bench um we just need more consistency all around so regardless of that i think we'll be you know fourth or fifth seed um there, yeah, it's hard to say now uh, see a second round exit. that's not idealistic, but I don't want to jump the gun and you know say we're gonna go to the finals or anything, but yeah, I do see us getting to the second round, but without another guy like really complimenting Jimmy and being able to create shots uh, unless Tyler makes that jump, um, yeah, I don't see us getting too far in the playoffs, do you think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the difficult thing is in order to make the finals, like you would have to, like making the finals is just very difficult because you have to beat like two of like Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly probably. Um, so that that's just like that in itself is just like insanely difficult. And I would think like whoever plays like one of those teams like has like a higher chance of making it. I guess if that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I think I'd go – I mean, I I would say I think you guys could be, like, the three seed, but I still would probably say – like, looking at the pieces now, I would still probably say, like, a second-round exit, but, yeah, I mean, that could change, like, depending on what they do at the trade deadline. Um, So, yeah, I mean, just to, like, transition to, like, kind of like a – more funnier topic um so like i know like a lot of times like because the heat like made the finals like in the bubble like everyone just calls it like oh like the bubble run or like oh my this goodness. is just like a bubble team <laughs> so how do you like respond to like uh those like criticisms uh, of uh, the heat and of like the players
1: you're all clowns anybody who says that you're a clown come on man if your team was in the finals i don't care how you got there you'd be celebrating you would be talking all your shit i don't want to hear it from you guys um you're, you're lucky we didn't win those finals that's all i'm gonna say i would be way more in your face you can call us the bubble frauds or whatever but at the end of the day we made the finals your team didn't um hopefully i have some more shit to talk in the future but yeah things are not looking good for next year so i'll be quiet now
0: <laughs> uh, it's i i always just love asking that question getting people's thoughts on it like i'm thinking about doing like an actual episode where uh like, they debate, like, whether the bubble was real or not. Um, oh, it'd, it. I think it would be, like, a funny episode. <laughs> yeah,
1: it would be a 30 for 30 in a couple of years.
0: <laughs> no, for sure. Um, But, yeah, like, let's just transition to, like, general, like, free agency stuff, right? Um, So, like, I mean, like, the biggest, uh, like, before we get into, like, the biggest story. Um, So, like, I just wanted to get your favorite, like, off-season signing. Um, And then, like, maybe your least favorite off-season signing, if you have one.
1: I gotta think about that one. You have a favorite one? Maybe we can start with you. I'll have to circle back to that.
0: Uh I mean like low key. I feel like the like I hate like admitting this, but like low key, I feel like my favorite one is like the the Brogdon to the Celtics. Like I'm I, I guess it's not a signing, I guess. Or I think it was a trade, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. I don't know. I feel like they didn't give up like any like useful piece on their team that like they they didn't give up any of their rotation. And, like, a lot of times I felt like if they had one more guy who could, like, make shots or set up the offense, like, it would be, like, crazy. Like, it would be really – I mean, I don't know, like, how much of a – like, his – he's never really been put in a role where it's like, okay, Malcolm Brogdon, like, just be a playmaker. Like, he's always more in, like, that score first role and then, like, he'll get his assists, like, here and there. But, like, I don't know, like, low-key, I feel like that is just, like, a fire move um like especially like what just considering what they gave up like it's probably like the best value that any team got um and then like my least favorite uh i mean i like i low-key think or like i'll go with like move like i i know like it it might be like a hater-ish move but like i just like don't know about like this rudy gobert trade that the that the timberwolves made Like, I think, like, the problem is, is, like, I've just seen, like, Rudy Gobert, like, get exposed in the playoffs, like, so hard. And, like, see, I I hate this move if your goal is to win a championship. But I will qualify it with that if your goal is just to make the playoffs, like, every year and, like, just be in the mix, then I think it's a great move. Uh, Right. Like, because I don't know what the Jazz are trying to do, right? Like, they haven't made the playoffs, like, two years in a row, like, in forever. So, maybe their goal is just to be, like, okay, like, we just want to be firmly in the playoff race, and then, like, maybe if Anthony Edwards, like, becomes, like, a top 10 player, then we can really, like, think about, like, okay, we'll win a championship, Mm -hmm. but, like, I would say, like, just giving up, like, that, because they kind of compromise their future, you know, and, like who knows like what other like star could have came available like right now we're saying like it's an okay move because it's like Rudy gobert but like what if they legitimately could like like you say like oh you were like donovan mitchell or like uh like dame on like the the heat right like but what if one of them came available right and like now they don't have the picks or like the means to get it whereas like maybe before if you trade like dlo and like you give up all the picks like you give up like Vanderbilt, and, like, Jaden McDaniels, like, then maybe you could have gotten, like, one of those, right? So I, I think that's, like, the reason I don't like the move. It's not, like, it necessarily has to do with Gobert, but it's just, like, that's just not the player I would handicap, like, my team for.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And, then, you know, it's definitely not a thing with basketball. I think Gobert actually fits well in that team, and he could make some noise, but I'll also say it's not a needle pusher. I don't think this, you know, puts them past any of those top teams. Um, and then, yeah, the, really the, the biggest thing is is locking themselves in like that, not being able to make another deal by trading all those picks. Um, I agree. I, th- I think Gobert is an impact player and can really help the team. I just don't know if it's worth, you know, like mortgaging your future for the next few years, where there are going to be some great prospects, um, you know, just for a couple of years of, you know, seeing if this would work. Um, and I think it could work. Again, I just don't know if this is going to move the needle completely for them. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think they're that's my least favorite deal, um, but it is definitely you know up there is one of my not favorite ones. Um, so yeah, I, I had some time to think about it. I would say one of my favorite deals was John Wall to the Clippers. Um, I think that was a pretty underrated move. A lot of people hate on John Wall and they really just you know remember him for injuring himself multiple times in the off season. Um, which is yeah, I guess a little bit funny, but he is back and I I've seen videos of him. I think he could really help a team in a new role, uh, not being a starter and you know coming off the bench and just being a shot creator, someone that has the IQ of a you know superstar, but doesn't really have the same um, athleticism and, and speed anymore. Um, I think for that team, you know, having Reggie Jackson and him could be a nightmare for a lot of teams, um, and also something if you know Kawhi and PG are back. You know, they have a lot of guys on the team that can make plays, um, so that is something to look out for. I think. Uh, um, least favorite. Deal, yeah, it's uh, a tough one. I guess so, yeah, we could talk about this one a little bit. I could think about least favorite.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean John Wall, like, dude, he's yeah, he'll he's really good. I mean, I think the best part about that signing is it's just like lo- it's like very like low risk and like very high reward. Like, the, if he doesn't pan out, like, okay, like, worst case, you still have, like, a really good team. And, like, you can just, like, keep him on the bench. Like, just don't play. Like, if he's unplayable, like, you can just not play him. Like, it's not like you gave up anything to, like you, – you didn't give up that much to sign him. And, like, if he does pan out, then you have, like, a playmaker that, like, is probably, like, the only missing need on that roster. And, like, in all these podcasts, I've talked about, like, how high I've been um on, on the – Clippers, like I just feel like they have like the best roster, and like the only thing that can really like tear them down is like an injury or like a team like morale con or like a team like meshing concern, which is like okay, like I'd rather have that problem than like have like a tangible issue with my roster. Um, but yeah, like let me know if you have like a a, a least favorite one. If not, like I have another favorite one to discuss.
1: <laughs> yeah, how can I forget? Um, Jalen Brunson, man, that's a lot of money for for Jalen Brunson. What do you think about that deal? (laughs) Yeah, like, like low-key,
0: I guess, like, if you take trades out of the equation, like, that probably would be the worst, like... Yeah, I I don't know. Like, for the Knicks, they are just doing, like, classic, like, Knicks stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, he'll... Like, I think Jalen Brunson is good. Like, I think they did improve. Like, yeah, they definitely did improve. Like, I'm not going to deny that. But it just, like, caps out their ceiling... And I don't know, at this point, like, I really have to question, like, what the Knicks' goals are. Like, I don't really think that they're trying to win a championship. I think they're just trying to be, like, a somewhat relevant team. And I guess, like, poaching, like, Jalen Brunson will, like, make you a little bit better and make you slightly relevant. So I I think that's, like, the goal of their team. But it is, like, a dumb amount of money to spend on a player. Like, I think he's, I read some stat about the deal. Like, he's the only player to, like, never make, I think it's never make an all star or. I forget what it is. It's like he he never like made he never made an all-star or something and he's like offered like the most money for that like per year or something like that. Uh, <laughs> which is just crazy. Yeah. Or or no no no. I think it hasn't averaged over 20 points uh in his career or right. something like that.
1: I mean, it's really just those three playoff games, I guess. Knicks are going to be the Knicks.
0: Yeah, and like also like if you go back and like look at his like games, like he did like really good against the Jazz. Like who like didn't have like a great perimeter defense and he was able just to like hit his like he he did really good against the Jazz right but I think like once they advanced in the playoffs and like against like the Warriors like he was like very like okay like he he was he didn't look nearly as good as he did um, as he did in that like uh, like Jazz series in my right. opinion um, which is like a big part of it but. Yeah, I mean, to transition to the, like, other favorite one I have, dude, I love the, the Lou Dort signing, man. Like, the five years, like, I think, I guess, like, you could argue about the money, but I think, like, I just love, like, the whole story of, like, him being, like, undrafted. Like, I think it was, like, uh, like yesterday, literally three days, like, three years ago yesterday uh, is when he signed, like, his two-way deal. So just to go from, like, two-way to, like, your contract is converted, you're, like, a starter, like... You're playing on the playoffs with like Chris Paul and Shea, and he has like a he has like a 33 like point game seven. He's like the only. Oh yeah. I think it's like like Lou Dort, like Kobe, and like LeBron are like the only <laughs> rookies to have like more than 25 points in a game seven in their rookie year. Yeah, right. And then like to go from that to like a like almost 90 million dollar contract. It's like a great story.
1: Yeah. No, dude. I forgot about Lou Dort. Uh, I think that's someone that every. Every team, like whatever fan you're a fan of the Lakers, or I don't even know who who you guys rivals with the Rockets, I guess. <laughs>
0: but, yeah, it is kind of like the Rockets. Yeah,
1: like whoever you're a fan of, you can get behind Lou Dort. That guy has just been working hard since he came into the league, and his defense is something else. So to see him get rewarded for that, that you love to see it, um, especially being a Heat fan, where you, know, you kind of get rewarded for working hard, even though you're not a first round pick, you can be undrafted or on a two way. Um, yeah, you love to see that. It's like, great signing for sure
0: yeah and especially like in the west like when you have like all the guards right like he'll have to go up against like Steph like John ja Morant like Chris Paul like there, there's just so many like Jamal Murray I guess uh like e- even in the Clippers like Reggie Jackson like he should be like you shouldn't like discount him <laughs> like he usually yeah. plays pretty well so I think like having like a like a legit like guard defender like he, like I think some of those guys, like he could like actually like do like do a really good job, and like I don't know if if you're like a guard on the other team and like you know like Lou Dort is like guarding you, like mm-hmm. it has to like bring like some sort of frustration like out in you, which is like definitely like what you want to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's go on to the uh like the main like story of like the free agency and like the off season, right? So what are your thoughts on like uh like K the whole KD situation and like him requesting a trade and like the whole Kyrie, like he's going to leave and then he's not going to leave. And then now he might leave again.
1: Oh dude, popcorn, man. Uh, I thought it was going to be a boring off season, but Brooklyn is always going to entertain. <laughs> yeah. That's something else, man. I, I did not foresee that. Um, I guess a little bit from Kyrie, um, but you know, KD coming out and making that request was, you know, <laughs> I guess you can, you can say that is a KD thing to do. Um, you know, you just don't expect him to pull the same thing like three times, right? Um, I'm shocked, but if the Heat can get, get something for him or get get a deal working for KD, I'm very happy. Um, I know there's not a lot of suitors for Kyrie either, but, you know, bring him to Miami, I think some Heat culture will do him good. Um, yeah, all jokes aside, I, I do think those both, both those guys are extremely talented. Uh, KD, obviously, but Kyrie, I think... Um, popular opinion he might be worth the headache, uh, you know, with the COVID restriction gone. Um if those guys do end up moving, uh they could really help some teams, but the way things are going, it looks like it kind of fizzled down and I think they're gonna stay for a little bit longer, right?
0: Yeah, I mean I, I like with Kyrie, the issue is like there's definitely like I would say most of the teams are just like really scared. <laughs> most of the teams are just like definitely like really scared to like trade for him. Like, I feel like, I don't know, the Lakers, like, connection is just, like, too strong. And, like, it does feel, like, inevitable that, like, he just ends up on the Lakers because, like, the Lakers, like, obviously want to get rid of, like, Russell Westbrook if they can. And, like, like the way – but the thing I don't understand is, like, how, how does, like, the Lakers' assets, like, swing the Nets, right? Because the way that the money works is that, like, in addition to Kyrie, the Nets would have to, have to include, like, Seth Curry. Or uh, like Joe Harris <laughs> in the trade too. So like I don't get like why they would just bless the Lakers with that and give them like first of all Kyrie Irving, who's like you probably trust him the most, like the most with like LeBron, um, uh, like it, you trust him to like play well and like be like disciplined and whatnot. Like LeBron will keep him in check, and you also bless them with like Joe Harris or Seth Curry, who would guaranteed like start on their like on like their depth depleted team. Like, to me, like, that, I don't get how, like, even, like, Russell Westbrook or, like, I don't get how the two first-round picks, like, would even get you that. So, I don't get, like, why some other team doesn't just jump in there and try to get Kyrie. Like, I never really thought about him going to the Heat, but I think that would be a good fit, actually.
1: Yeah, honestly, I have no idea. You're you're right. Like, the Lakers have no assets, and they're emerging as the frontrunners to apparently land both of these guys. Something doesn't add up. I feel like Rich Paul did the math. Um but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense, and and like you said, yeah, if another team offered the Nets, you know, a better deal, I'm not too naive to think that like Kyrie and KD actually have a stronghold on the franchise. The Nets are probably gonna take it, whether it's the Pacers or you know whoever, like the Thunder. If KD has to go back there, um, they'll do it if they get the best offer, and that's what I think is gonna happen. But really, this whole thing that's going on is just crazy, and to see the Lakers being. The top of it is completely surprising. Um, I really don't know how they got there, but for them, if they could somehow turn Russell Westbrook and whatever, like THT, who's apparently untouchable, and like a first-round pick into KD and Kyrie, that's that's something else. There's a round of applause.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the KD situation is so weird, though, because, like, I don't know. I would say that, like, the other two times that KD decided to leave – there was a logical progression in his career right like with okc it was okay like how many more times is he going to keep running it back with this team that's like just unable to get over the hump right so then like it, it kind of like made logical sense in his career like to go elsewhere it didn't really make logical sense to go to the warriors i would say but like it made logical sense to leave so anyways like he goes to the warriors like he wins like the two championships Then after that like the narrative starts building like can katie like win on his own and like i I feel like in the third season like after they lost like the raptors and like he tears his achilles like that whole like the it just kind of felt like he was like ready for a move just because of like that narrative like oh like can he like win on his own after like the warriors like lose that time and then like that's when he like teams up with Kyrie and goes to brooklyn but then like he signs like the four-year deal And, like, I would argue that, like, now is not really, like, a logical, like, progression for him to leave. Just, like, considering his deal, like, he has four years left, which is probably, like, the most insane deal. Like, that's probably the most insane part about the deal. And, like, I'm curious to see, like, how it'll, like, measure up to, like, the Paul-George, like, deal. Because, like, looking back at it, like, that one is insane, right? It's, like, Shea, Danilo Gallinari, and, like, six or seven picks slash, like, pick swaps, so, like, like, is that what we're going to? I think that's what we have to get for like KD. But, like, who can offer that to who? There's no team in the league that can offer that, like, other than like the Thunder.
1: Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. I, it's just like the worst time for him to ask for a trade. I don't know if his managers did the due diligence to like see what assets were actually available. But I heard, that, I don't know if you saw that report. The Nets were trying to get Anthony Edwards, uh, Cat, and like four first rounders from the Wolves for KD.
0: Yeah, that just makes no sense, bro. Like, I think oh, you can't put both of them. It would only be one of them,
1: exactly. And even that, like, I doubt the Wolves are gonna accept it. And obviously, it's just to start off negotiations. But if you're gonna set the, the price that high. I think you're gonna strike out for a while, and it's gonna be you know either disgruntled with KD, um, you know, losing money on that, or I don't know, man. I, I think they gotta pull the. If KD is serious about this, I think they have to you know pull a deal together. Otherwise, they're gonna you know have a rough time the next season um but also going back to it like it, it's weird to say why kd would ask for a trade when like right after this Kyrie stuff happened but honestly it kind of reminds me of lebron and Kyrie situation in cleveland like i feel like a Kyrie, or kd had to know something uh was gonna happen for him to ask for that trade next year right like the writing clearly had to be on the wall. So, you know, Kyrie knew that LeBron is going to Los Angeles, so he probably asked for that trade. That was probably a part of it. I know there's the ego thing, but um trying to draw comparisons there. It's hard to get inside the mind of KD why he asked for it, but I think he might have known something that, you know, we might not have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I that's actually a really good point. Uh, like, a lot of times, like, we see, like, these random, like, trade requests. Like, I remember when, like, uh, like Russell Westbrook and James Harden were on the Rockets, and then like like Russell Westbrook like requests a trade and then everyone was like yo like why is Russ like leaving Harden and i'm like bro like you really think like he like there's like two like really good friends like you think they haven't like talked to each other like it was like to me like that when he like just knowing his personality i was like okay like he definitely talked to James Harden and James Harden was definitely like yeah bro like i'm about to leave so like if you want to request a trade like go ahead and then like literally like what happens like James Harden starts the season and then just like like fails like miserably and like literally like performs so bad that they have to trade him um so like i like i, I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like that or maybe like like the nets front office like they're going to trade Kyrie even though he accepted into the option which is like another personal like a possibility because like they're like okay we're tired of his bullshit like let's just trade him yeah no i,
1: I think that's exactly it like like even this whole off season with Kyrie and the Nets just seemed like a game of chicken. Like they were trying to. I, I, maybe that was did Brian Windhorst even say that? He probably did. Uh, he's like ingrained in my vocabulary at this point. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what they were doing. Like they were just trying to you know see who would back down first. Um, I think there is bad blood there, and like my theory is, um, uh, you know, AD knew that Kyrie was probably you know disgruntled with the front office. I think everyone knew that, but it would probably lead to a trade early next year. Um yeah, that's something to think about, I guess. Um, but, yeah, it is true. Like, the same thing happened in Houston with, with Russell and James Harden. I, I don't think we should be so naive to think, like, those guys aren't talking to each other first.
0: Yeah, and, and, like, you know what's the funniest part about this? is like, it's, like, actually, like, probably, like, Ben Simmons that's holding this whole thing up <laughs> because of, like, that stupid, like, rookie max, like, extension deal. Like, literally, like, all of the players that they – Would want are like unable to be had because of that. Like if you want a good young player, like who like they are looking for, like at least you should at least get like an all star back for KD. I agree, or like someone like borderline all star, right? And all of those players are on their like rookie scale, like max extensions. So it's actually like hilarious that it's like Ben Simmons like causing like causing that as like a holdup because of that. Like the the Heat can't trade like Bam Adebayo like. Carl Towns can't go there, uh, like Zach Levine can't go there. Like th- there's just like so many names, um, like, uh, like because of that, that <laughs> they just can't. Like all the good, like desirable young players, they pretty much can't get. Yeah. Um. So like, I don't know. Like I, I like it, it's like an outside shot. Like, but what I was thinking is like, if a team wants to trade for like Ben Simmons, like now is a good time to do it because like i don't know like how committed the nets are to ben simmons and if they are i don't know why mm-hmm. but like if you want like a generational haul for Ben, like for kd you might as well just like try to offload ben simmons um yep but like i don't know maybe the nets are dumb and like they don't want to do that <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i think the nets are struggling right now and i'm sure every team is just trying to take full advantage of that um so if a team's looking to get Ben Simmons, and honestly, I think I'm a little bit higher on Ben Simmons than other people might be, um, but in a bubble. Like, you can't freaking build the Nets around him. He's going to turn him to the ground. But if you put him in a Draymond role, he could be really effective, right? So there's a team that needs that one piece. Um, I think he could definitely be a good option. But, and yeah, the Nets just shot themselves in the foot. It was funny to see, I got to say that.
0: Yeah, for sure um but yeah i mean i think that's about it for all the topics i wanted to discuss uh do you have any closing thoughts before we end the pod
1: no man i had a great time yeah thanks for having me on um i will say yeah it was a great shot by jimmy if you're if you're hating on that shot you can kiss my butt that's all i'll say
0: yeah man thanks for hopping on uh we'll definitely get you again in the future um but yeah anyways thanks for listening guys we'll talk to you next week